World's Finest Podcast, Episode 55. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? I'm well. Not, nothing really going on here. Uh, I slept late today for the first time in, I don't know, a, a decade. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and at one point I was up for 32 straight hours this weekend oh. because of work and everything. So I'm, I'm feeling good now after actually getting to sleep more than, you know, three hours. So that's really been my story the past few days. What about you? Nothing much here. Um... You know, took last week off from Earth2.net, so, uh, yeah, if there was anybody... Deserved yeah, it. Oh, yeah, I, I, I did deserve it, didn't I? Um, yes. So, yeah. Yes, you did. I apologize to anybody that uh, went to the site and was looking for Aaron's uh, third uh, review in the uh, in, in her ongoing uh, comic book review series. And, and didn't find it there. But yeah, I just, I just needed the week off. Um, but Earth2.net, it is back on, on track, the whole website. Um, so Aaron's next review, again, the third one, will be hitting, obviously, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, which would be, I think, the 17th of, of June. So definitely go to Earth2.net to check that out. Um, but yeah, yeah, feeling rested. Definitely, definitely feeling rested. You know, it's, it's good to get back to doing all the editing, the podcast editing, the, the, the editing of the writing, and just get back in the swing of things. But, yeah, it, it turns out a vacation is actually nice. Who'd know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what a vacation is, yeah. so I, I will next month when I go up to Alaska to see a certain person. Ah. But uh, not right now. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I will learn something next yes. month. <laughs> Uh, do you want to get into some email? Yeah, let's do that. First one's from Steve, who writes, Hey guys, I have a theory on why it seemed that Terry was so out of character in Shadows. Perhaps it was a situation where they knew they had to do a continuation of the IU-7 story, and were told they had to get the Batman Beyond crossover done as well. So the stuff with Terry and Bruce was just completely shoehorned in at the last minute, and the writers of the episode were just given essentially a Batman Beyond Season 1 thumbnail sketch of the characters in order to write them. Just a thought. Okay. I can agree with that. Next one is from Tim, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I was wondering uh, what you guys have to say about Dick Grayson becoming the new Batman in Battle for the Cowl and Damian Wayne becoming uh, the new Robin. Being the hardcore Robin fanboy Mike is, I know he will have a problem with this. Tim Drake has left Gotham on a journey to find himself. Do you think uh, when he returns he will become the new Nightwing or kick that little bastard Damian out of the limelight? In this quote I got from Wiki, Grant Morrison details that having Dick Grayson as Batman and Damian Wayne as Robin will be a reverse of the normal dynamic between Batman and Robin, with a more lighthearted and spontaneous Batman and a scowling badass Robin. When asked if the series would de uh, deal with the new Batman being unable to fill Bruce Wayne's proverbial shoes, Morrison answered, When I started out, I had that in mind, and I thought we'd finally prove that nobody else could be Batman. But I do believe certain aspects of R.I.P. were about how nobody but this guy could be Batman. I think with this, it's fun to start by seeing what happens when someone else tries. Sometimes it goes wrong, and sometimes it goes really well. Some of the things these guys do are things that Bruce Wayne would never have thought to do. If you type Batman in 
into Wikipedia and scroll down to the Dick Grayson subsection, you will see a picture of the new dynamic duo. The Robin suit is okay, but the body type of, of Grayson makes it look like Adam West is in the suit. Also, uh, did you see the Batman Brave and the Bold episode, Legends of the Dark Might? <laughs> it was so hilarious. I nearly pissed my pants when Batmite broke the fourth wall at the Comic-Con after the fan complaints. Uh, this isn't my Batman, and the panel told him to say Batman's rich history allows him to be interpreted in a multitude of ways. <laughs> to be sure, this is a lighter incarnation, but it's certainly no less valid and true to the character's roots than the tortured Avenger crying out for Mommy and Daddy. This is all This uh, all happened when Batman made Calendar King a humorous, kick-ass foe who attacked the Dark Knight with mutant Easter bunnies. Sounds weird, but funny. And when Batmite is offended at how unworthy they are to fight bats, Calendar King retorts in a booming voice, What's wrong with bunnies? And all the different bat suits from Adam West to Dark Knight Returns, I was afraid we'd see Val Kilmer. Praise the Lord, we didn't. They even once alluded to the shark-repelling bat spray. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, so if you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. However, the one thing I don't like is the uh, is all the inclusion of the bat mythos. So far, we've seen Joker, Catman, Catwoman, Clock King, Gentleman Goes, Crazy Quilt, no complaints there, Bane, Two-Face, Penguin, Scarecrow, Mr. Zero, uh, Freeze, Ace, Robin, and now Batmite. Albeit the latter of a few were, were cameos, but what's next? The Bat Porpoise? While we have seen these characters in previous incarnations, I preferred the team-up of, uh, of the week theme of Season 1, where younger viewers have been uh, to more obscure characters like Commandi, and as far as villains go, even Sportsmaster. Which format do you guys prefer, and why? Um, starting with the, the the stuff pertaining to uh, Brave and the Bold. Yes, I saw that episode, and I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I haven't seen an episode of Brave and the Bold, and I don't even know how long. Probably like two months at least. Uh, so. Dude, sit down and watch some seriously. Um. You may or may not, maybe sort of, kind of know how to get them. Huh? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Huh? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Uh, okay, let's let's forget that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that that Batmite episode was so good. It was so funny, and I gotta be honest with you, I like the fact. I really enjoyed the fact. I'll say that they took the piss out of the hardcore. This isn't my Batman fanboys, because. What they said in that episode is absolutely true. Look at all the different ways Batman has been and can be interpreted. He can be campy, he can be dark, he can be a mixture of the two, uh, he can be any, pretty much anything you want him to be. And it runs in cycles. You know, we got so used to the Dark Knight Batman that it's hard for a lot of people to accept a more light-hearted Batman. And I'm so glad that the Brave and the Bold is sort of bringing that back. And now, spinning it into the Dick Grayson question, uh, hey, th th this works out nicely. I actually like what they're doing with Dick Grayson as Batman. I've only read the one issue of Batman and Robin. I didn't read the Battle for the Cal miniseries. I wasn't interested in it. But uh, in that one issue of Batman and Robin... I really like seeing Dick as Batman. Um, in the issue, one of the things he said to Alfred was that, you know, he, I think it was, I don't remember, I think it was in the issue, but it might have been in an interview with Grant Morrison. But again, yeah, it, it was the issue. You know, he says he never really wanted to take up the role of Batman, but he always knew that if Bruce fell in battle, he had to take up the role of Batman to respect 
for lack of a better term, his father and that uh, uh, legacy that he created. And so that we're going to get a Batman who can smile, who can be jovial, who isn't all grim and gritty and gritting his, and gr you know, grinding his teeth in your face. I, I think it's going to be extremely interesting. And Damien is going to be that character that I love to hate because he's such a little prick. And watching him grow throughout this series is going to be an awesome experience. As it pertains to Tim, yes, I am a fan of Tim Drake, but he's been Robin for a long time. Uh, I think he deserves a break. Um, and so let's let's get a new Robin in there that's going to be Damien uh, for a while, obviously. Uh, what's going to happen to Tim when he returns? I don't know. Uh, maybe he really isn't going anywhere. Maybe he'll be this Red Robin character. I don't know. Uh, maybe he'll be a, a different superhero. Maybe they'll retire Tim for a few years and bring him back somewhere down the line as the new Nightwing, as someone else. I don't know. Um, but this is the first time in a long time that I am interested in seeing what they do in the Batman comic books. You know, I'm a fan of Batman. I like the the most recent movies. Um, I've said it before. I think The Brave and the Bold is the best Batman cartoon to date. Um, obviously, I love Batman. I mean, look at this podcast that James and I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to the comics, I just haven't been interested in them in a long time. But I, I am looking forward. And not just Batman, but the whole line. The whole Bat line. Um so yeah, let, let, let's just see where that goes. Uh, and Tim had a PS here. He says, I am way too busy to join the forums, but I gave the episode 54 thread a look-see, and thanks to those who gave recommendations where to find DCAU comic tie-ins. Also, in other news, I must have been living under a rock, as last week I purchased and read The Killing Joke, and in sing-song, awesome! <laughs> the last thing, Mike, I was originally going to send this in as feedback for Earth2.net the show, but as I am emailing now, I shall ask you this. Marvel, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, the video game, comes out this fall, and I know you sort of wrapped up the Civil War shows a long uh, time ago, but since the game is following that storyline, do you think you might have an honorary bonus episode in which you review the game? It would be relevant because without the exception of Iron Man, Luke Cage, Reed Richards, and Cap, you can make all the others pick a side, and that changes the outcome of the story arc with multiple game endings. It will make for an ultimate what-if tale. And sorry for rambling, but if I gave Earth2.net a look, and if you haven't reviewed the Kick-Ass first game, are there any plans to review it? And if you haven't gotten to it yet, buy the Gold Edition, which starts you off with all the previous 300, uh, 360 exclusives, unlockables, and cheat code-activated characters. And, no, I'm not promoting GameStop, but if you pre-order the game there, it is, as far as I know, the only way to get Juggernaut as a playable Ooh. character. And, and as fucked up as The Last Stand was, I'm hoping one of his lines of dialogue <laughs> is, you can't stop me, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> As soon as a generous listener buys me an Xbox 360, I'll gladly review Ultimate Alliance and Ultimate Alliance 2. But currently, all I own is a Wii. Um, I th is that game even available on the Wii? Um, it might be. I think it is, but i got to be honest with you. When it comes to a game like that, I'm just not interested in playing a game like that on the Wii. When I sit down with the Wii, I'm more interested in playing Mario games, Zelda games, like Mario Kart kind of racing games, things like that. Just those hardcore action games. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just rather do that on, on an Xbox. Frankly, I don't even own a TV. <laughs> mm, I don't. That could be problematic. I don't. So, yeah, again, if there's any generous listeners out there who are going to buy me a 360, could you also throw in a TV? <laughs> <laughs> 
preferably a, an HD TV, I guess. <laughs> yeah, a nice big one. Takes up my whole wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> next email is from Graham, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I've loved your reviews of the Zeta Project. I recently heard about the upcoming online video game DC Universe Online, and I was wondering what you guys think about it. One thing I have really not gotten in the Zeta Project is Zeta's hologram when he is disguised as other people. When he used his uh, normal holographic disguise with the purple robe, there are some scenes where his robe is getting blown by the wind in car chases. How would his hologram thing know when to make it look like it's getting blown in the wind? What I'm trying to say is that Zeta's holographic disguise has way too many flaws in the way that it looks like the creators forgot he was a robot with a holographic disguise instead of a human. I think his normal hologram disguise did not have a good or interesting design. I don't know how in that one episode that he could make himself look like a kid, but the seatbelt went over him, and in the scene where he, Roe, and that woman and her child are on that ride, it fit him perfectly. If he was a real kid, but really the seatbelt would have puffed out because he's actually a bigger robot. I just don't like how they keep forgetting that he does not turn into the person he's disguised as, like how Martian Man and Clayface can. What do you guys think about this? Keep up the superb podcasting. Well, to, to be fair, they have shown that he can shrink physically when he takes on smaller forms they've actually shown him kind of like compressed down um mm-hmm. but no i i do take issue with the holographic feature um how is it that it knows to blow appropriately in the wind you know you could say it's just really good programming again this is you know i don't know 50 some odd years in the future if if they have you know sentient robots Maybe they've perfected, you know, holographic technology a la the, uh, the, the, the holodeck in, in Star Trek The Next Generation, and that's how it knows to blow in the wind. But where I take issue with the holographic technology is this. There's times where his holograms are solid, and, like, you can see, like, uh, Ro hug him or someone touch him, and there's other times where they're not solid, where someone, again, will hug him or touch him, and they'll go through him, or like when Rose, like hanging on his back, and then she'll poke her head out. They're not consistent with if his holograms are solid or not. Um, if his holograms are solid, that would explain them blowing in the wind. But if they're not solid, then right, you can't justify them blowing in the wind. It 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 just comes down to inconsistency. Okay, last one today uh, is from Kevin. Hi guys, I just downloaded your podcast last week. So far, I'm only at episode twenty nine. I just had some thoughts about holiday nights that I wanted to share with you. I find it believable that Bullock and Montoya would be on stakeout for that invisible shoplifter. This makes sense to me since the father in See No Evil started out as an invisible shoplifter himself. Hmm. It makes sense that they might think he escaped and tried to shoplift more stuff. Well, that's my two cents. Spend it as you like. Kevin, Batfan on the forums. P.S. Your podcast rocks. It is awesome. (laughs) That's actually a really good point there. Yeah, I I never even thought about that. Uh, before we end the email segment, uh, I actually want to promote something over at the forums. I want all of our listeners to uh, go over to earth2.net, earth-2.net. On the left-hand side of the page, you'll see a link that says forums. Click it and join the forums, please, and all that. Um, then scroll down and go to the section called uh, Writer's Corner. And in there, there's a portion called Fan Fiction and Art. In there, our listener Ava started a thread called DCAU Justice Lords slash League Drawings. And she's created these like two, two and a half inch drawings uh, made with Sharpie and colored pencil. And they are awesome. I love they these really are. things. Um, 
she she initially did, you know, the Justice Lords, and then below them is just the Justice League, but she's posted new ones, including Deadshot, Clayface, Harley, the Joker, the Jokers, uh, Lobos in there. She, I mean, she, she even goes really deep. I mean, she starts doing, like, Warhawk, who, really, how many appearances did that guy have? A handful. But yeah. she did Warhawk, uh, Booster Gold, and my favorite, my favorite, The Question. She did the flipping <laughs> question, and it looks so good. She's got a little Alfred. She's got Hawkman, who's got chest. Zatanna. You're right. Zatanna's there. Um, but Hawkman, one of the reasons I like, I'm not a big fan of the Hawkman character, but the reason I like her Hawkman drawing is because she gave him, like, little chest hairs and, like, even, like, little hairs on his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Hawkman's a hairy dude, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, definitely go to the forums and, and seek these out. She she really did a wonderful, wonderful job with these. This is bad, Z. We're in deep trouble. There's no way out of this place without creds. And it's swarming with guards. Any chance you can get that thing off your hand? <gasps> Believe me now. Are you looking to get hurt, mister? Do you realize you're dealing with an infiltration unit? She's right. What makes you think I won't destroy you right now? Because thanks to you, security is already looking for you. And without me, you'll be trapped here till they catch you. This is why we built you with unlimited creds in the first place, so you could travel unfettered. Well, now you're fettered. What do you want? A few items from around the hub. I'm designing a new space probe, and funding was impossible to come by. So you're going to collect what I need, and then I'll let you go. You mean, you want us to steal? It's all for science. It'll be like a scavenger hunt. Should be fun for a youngster like you. First up today is Hunt in the Hub. Um, in this one, Ro and Zeta have traveled to the central transit hub for the entire country to find yet another colleague of uh, Dr. Selig. But when they get there, they find that he is uh, he has really just lured them there through uh, his posting his schedule of events all over the net so they would they would have to find him there would be too they would be dumb to not be able to find this guy so but he, he really is just there to uh use zeta for his own means uh what he does when he gets there is he affixes this device to zeta's hand that cuts off his cred card now this means that Roe and zeta are trapped inside this hub thing because there's no way out of this thing without paying money um and the security features in this place notify the security guards when vagrants <laughs> enter the ground. So when they try to use their cred card to see if this guy is, is bullshitting them or not, it alerts the security guards to arrest them. But um, eventually, Ro and Zeta elude these uh, useless security guards and meet back up with this douchebag scientist guy. There are a lot of douchebag scientists in this series, aren't There's there, Mike? There's a ton of them, yes. My God. Um, so anyway, uh, he tells them that they have to retrieve a few items from around the hub for him to build some kind of space probe or something. And these items are particularly hard to find, so at, having an infiltration unit like Zeta would be the only way to do it. Uh, and once they do, he'll take the thing off of Zeta and let them go. So they have to contend with the security guards everywhere and Agents West and, uh, West and Rush to arrive there at some point and um but after they get him the second thing he was looking for the uh the scientist says that since they haven't seen him do anything Roe and Zeta are really the only ones in danger so they they really are up shit creek without a paddle unless they get him this third thing which is a radio transmitter now Roe says that 
they need to get this guy caught. They need to have him, you know, see, have the security guards see him committing the crimes here. Uh, so they activate the transmitter and strap it to the guy's back so that the NSA and the security goons capture him. And, you know, the, bef- you know before this happens, uh, they manage to uh, get the guy to take that thing off of uh, Zeta's hand. And they get on a plane in first class, and the NSA agents follow him behind. But Ro, uh, Ro knows that they'll be traveling in coach, so so they're able to get away. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, what was the point of this episode? I don't know. You know, again, this is just another guy they were trying to find who knew Selig, but the guy had nothing at all. <laughs> and, yeah, this was a very pointless episode. I mean, as I was watching this, I just kept asking myself, what is going on? Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm at a loss for words with this one. I'm seriously at a loss for words here. Um, cause, okay, what was he doing? He claimed he was trying to build a satellite? Some kind of space probe. He claimed it was for science, but then he reveals later that it's just for money. So he can get a huge grant or something if, for building this space probe that before anybody else can. I don't know. I don't even know what the hell that was about. And, here, here's what does, doesn't make any sense at all. He tricks Zeta into finding him so that he can then use Zeta to get this equipment that he needs to build this space probe or whatever. But is he so thick that he doesn't realize that by telling Zeta to come there, that's going to attract the attention of the NSA because eventually Zeta's going to get found out? I mean, anywhere Zeta goes... He gets found out, and the NSA shows up. This guy's gonna know that if he's tracking Zeta, and he knows Zeta's looking for all these scientists. So how dumb is he that he doesn't realize that the NSA is gonna show up? And then if the NSA shows up, a finger's gonna be pointed at him. Sure, he can claim, I had nothing to do with this, but why would Zeta be stealing all this stuff if it, if it wasn't to give to someone else? And then when they find Zeta, they're going to find the stupid fucking thing on his hand anyways, and they're going to be like, where'd you get this? And he's like, this douchebag scientist put it on my hand and he forced me to do this. There's no way this guy can get out of this hole that he's dug himself into. Nope. And what was with his design? The dude looked more like a 20 Chicagoland gangster than a scientist. <laughs> he was wearing spats! <laughs> was he? I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love spats, yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, I love I love the 20s jazz yeah. look, but not on a scientist. <laughs> not on a, 20, a 2050 era scientist. Doesn't make any sense. Which I guess is a theme for this episode, but I digress. Yeah. Um, But speaking of not making sense, um, you can be arrested for having no money. I'm sorry, but that's dumb as shit. As a plot point, that is dumb as shit. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Okay, again, if they got into the hub, that probably means they had money to get in there. So... It just means their cards aren't working right now, so just grab them gently and say, let's try to work this out. To start chasing them down all around the hub because they're broke? This makes no sense! Like, what are we watching? Like, what world did they step into? We've never seen anything like this in the Batman Beyond era of the DC animated universe. You don't have any money? I'm going to chase you with my billy club and smack you over the head. You know? What? <laughs> you know? 
It's like, uh, worst uh, case scenario, they're just loitering. Just give them a ticket and a smack, smack on the ass and tell them to get out of there. I'll tell you what. I'm trying to think of who I like less. Bucky or Agent West? <laughs> this guy this guy isn't even good for comic relief. He's a complete waste of space. He gets worse every episode. Uh, it's it's just sad. Yeah, and what you said about West right there is so true. He's getting worse from episode to episode, and we're going to talk about Bucky a little later, and I'm going to show my hand a little and say this now, but Bucky didn't annoy me as much in the episode mm-hmm. later on than he has in the past. So it's like they're improving on Bucky in some small way, and they're just getting worse with West. Oh, yeah. I, I just I understand why the Agent West character is there. Again, if there was one cartoon that was really for the kids that were watching the DC Animated Universe, uh, the, the Zeta Project was it. So he's there for the comedy relief. You know, he's there to be the sort of a Jack Tripper-like character, always stumbling over things, always doing something kind of stupid and silly. You know what I mean? He, he's the character yeah. that you find. He's the dumb character in the extremely dumb sitcom. That's what he is, and he's going to give kids a chuckle. But it's just stupid it's so stupid um i have another i have a question here did zeta's voice seem off to you in this episode i'm trying to remember it's been a few days since i watched these so i i don't remember uh his voice in this one okay i was i just had to ask because it really did it seemed a little a little Uh, off not horrible or anything but certainly different yeah i i I don't know I, i i can't say i'll have to take your word for that though um, I know there's been times where I've thought the voices all around sounded a little weird. Remember I said that about Bruce Wayne a few episodes mm-hmm. ago. Um, so maybe it happened here and I just didn't notice it. I don't know. I was just going to say, and then Roe has new clothes finally, which I guess it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago where they said vagrants aren't allowed there. Roe was wearing some pretty nice-looking clothes, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going to bring up the clothes because I was going to say if this episode does anything, it's that – it starts to get them out of the clothes they've been wearing for a season plus now. I I mean, I understand you want to keep your cartoon characters in pretty much one or two sets of clothes because it's easier for the animators to do because it keeps them on a certain model. But at the same time, if you want to have any sort of believability, you have to have your characters change clothes. And I do like the fact that Ro has a new outfit here. Um, I think she has a new outfit in the next episode. Uh, Zeta's starting to wear different shirts He's now he's wearing that blue trench coat of his. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty sad when, like, the one thing you can give an episode are the new costumes everybody's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, okay, er- earlier you brought up all the douchebag scientists. Let's sit here and list them, okay? We've got mm-hmm. this guy right here. Uh, we've got Bucky Supervisor. We've got Bucky. Yep. Um, who else? I, there, there has to be a couple more that we're missing. I, I feel like there's at least one more. Uh, I was trying to think of when they finally meet Selig. No, he was, he was pretty cool. No, I'm not talking about Selig. I'm just talking about that episode. I, there were so many scientists there. I was wondering if maybe one of them was in, in on the douchebaggery. Well, but... <laughs> there was the guy who was like running the lab. I don't think he was exactly nice. But I don't know if I'd call him a douchebag. I think I just remember him being kind of grumpy. But I yeah. think he was grumpy because that's when they had figured out Zeta had impersonated him, wasn't it? 
So yeah. he had a right to be grumpy. So I'm not entirely sure we can include him. But at the very least, we got three. We got three out of how many scientists have they met? Let's say five. Uh, when you count yeah. uh, Selig and the, this this other guy who stopped the guards from shooting their guns, maybe a half, maybe a half dozen. Who yeah, knows? I mean that, that's not a good batting average. I, I don't think all scientists are douchebags like that. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, hey, watch it! Pardon the roughness, dear, but you'll soon see it's worth it. You've been picked to join an exclusive organization. Ah, uh, thanks, but I'm really not the club joining type. Maybe you could just put me down for some cookies. Say three boxes. It's not a choice. You're in. Like each of us, you have a very special gift. We saw you repair that crop bot with your mind. A what? Since you communicate with machines, I think we'll call you Relay. Now, Relay, we have a task for you. This thermo device stopped working. We'd like you to use your powers to fix it. you're talking about and i definitely don't belong in your psychic buddy network so why don't we just forget this whole mistake enough either use your powers to fix the device or else next up is Ro's gift in this one zeta and ro and i still still keep wanting to say rada and zo <laughs> oh, they uh stroll into a new town and uh while they're there they're checking out uh, uh, like a storefront, and uh, Rose she's uh, she's looking in the window, wondering what this particular jacket would look like on her. So uh, Zeta's like, "Well, hang on." So he morphs into Roe wearing the jacket. Um, Roe likes what she sees. She even checks out her own ass, and uh, then goes inside to buy said jacket. While she's inside, Zeta uh, he hasn't turned back into his normal self. He still looks like Roe. And uh, while this is going on, some random robot on the street, it's like a farming robot that was being brought in for repairs, uh, goes haywire. And it's got like a, sort of like a lightsaber type thing, um, uh, or some sort of like torch or something, but it's like a plasma device. Uh, it's, it starts spinning around, so it's creating like this like saw blade type thing, and it's going crazy in, in the town. So Zeta, as Ro, jumps on top of it, and he's able to shut the machine down using whatever robot machinery he he has to to do such a thing well this catches the attention of uh two people who are standing there uh just just gawking and uh they then psychically call their partner i almost said boss but probably just partner and they tell this guy hey we've got another uh potential student for you it looks like this one can actually talk to machines should we bring her in and this guy is like yes bring her in so uh, it should be said that that guy, he's like in a barn playing psychic chess with two kids. Because um, that's not creepy at all. And uh, oh, no. so um, they uh, they start chasing Zeta down, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, and Zeta ducks in an alley and he comes out as himself. So he's finally transformed back into himself. And uh, in the meantime... Uh, they're like, well, what's going on? Where did this girl go? Because this alley was a dead end. Well, they catch sight of Ro now wearing the jacket that Zeta, you know, in quotes, had on. And they look at her and they go, hey, hey, there, there's that girl. So they, they abduct her and they, they throw her into their car and they drive off. Uh, Zeta tries to get the help of the police. That doesn't do anything. Um, 
meanwhile, uh, Ro, she's taken back to this compound, and she is told to fix this thermo. It was like a thermal, what, what, some sort of bomb, wasn't it? What did they call it? Like a yeah, it was a bomb. And she's told to use the, her powers to talk to this device. And she's like, "Look, lady, I don't know what you're talking about." And they're like, "Okay, you either fix this or we're gonna kill you." So she's like, "Uh, okay, bomb. Uh, fix yourself." And uh, the little girl who was playing chess earlier, she uses her psychic powers to actually mend a broken like wire or circuit in the device. So, uh, you know, Ro uh, is is brought into this gang, I guess I guess we'll say, and uh, she's given the nickname of Relay, um, and she meets the two other kids. The boy's name is Amp. The girl's name we can't quite remember. It was like trans. It was like trans something. I don't know. I think it was trans something. Um, the girl, what she can do is, uh, what was her power? She wasn't just psychic. What could she do? She could change uh, the forms of matter between solid, liquid, and gas. Uh, that's right. And the boy, his name being Amp, he could amplify other people's powers. Um, so uh, we find out that what this trio is doing, and they all have their own psychic powers. Uh, again, there's the guy who just has plain old psychic and TK abilities. Uh, the woman can create, like, psychic like fireballs uh there's another guy who is just straight up psychic isn't he can just like hear thoughts yeah and what they plan on doing is they found out that there's this relay tower in town and they believe that anybody who lives nearby that such as the other two kids uh it, when they're exposed to it it uh, uh unleashes their like latent psychic powers so they want to set off this bomb to make this tower go kablooey, thus releasing the radiation or whatever, to give more people these powers. To what end? I don't know if it's ever said. I don't think, I don't it, think is. it is. I don't know what their ultimate goal was, but whatever, that is what they're trying to do. So uh, they take the kids, including Ro, or should I say Relay, ugh, to, to this tower to do this whole thing. Meanwhile... Zeta has tried to tell the police in his childlike form, hey, these these guys kidnapped my sister, come help me. And uh, he's not able to get the police to help for whatever weird reason. I think another cop bust in and told them some weirdness was going on in the town. So uh, Zeta ends up finding the bikers who helped uh, these these douchebags kidnap Roe in the first place, um, and he threatens one, uh, pretty hardcore too, and uh, uh so he threatens this guy and says, tell me where they, they took my friend. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll tell you. So Zeta shows up there as, uh, as, as this biker guy. Uh, but he, he's there to, he gets there. Um, there's a fight. And I, I think I kind of jumbled things up actually here. Yeah. Zeta gets there. There's a fight. And that's actually when the, the gang takes the kids to this relay tower. Uh, Zeta shows up, uh, and it's up to him to stop the bomb. And while he's trying to do that, the kids are actually giving him support from the sidelines using their psychic power to fend off, uh, some of this psychic gang so Zeta can stop the bomb. Um, yeah. here's a question. This series is supposed to be happen happening concurrently with Batman Beyond. Why the fuck does the Brain Trust members look so different than they did in Batman Beyond? Okay, here's the thing. I recognized that the fat guy was the fat guy from uh, Mind Games. But I didn't recognize that that was the rest of the Brain Trust. 
until I yeah, was looking was... up the characters' names um, online. I and that I vaguely remember the woman, but I don't remember the other guy. There was the black guy, the woman, and the fat guy. Was the black guy? Yeah, the black guy. He was okay. New. But the woman, I didn't recognize her at all. Well, that's Bombshell. Yeah, so. yeah that, that is Bombshell. So that's supposed to be her. And the fat guy, he's... And it was the same voice actor. Oh, was too. it? I didn't even know. But, uh... Yeah. But they looked so... They looked like 10 years older, the Bombshell and the albino. Uh-huh. And that guy didn't even look albino either. He looked normal. Yeah, yeah. He just looked like a fat, bald guy with long hair. That was it. Yeah. That was it. I, I, yeah, I don't understand what the hell that was about. I don't even know what to think about this episode, really. Um... There was some, I think there was some decent animation moments, especially when the kids fucked up the uh, the brain trust members' minds. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But I'm sorry, but, Han, I got to jump in here though. If you're yeah, going to do an episode with psychic powers and it's a loose sequel to Mind Games, it better be as awesome looking as Mind Games was. And mm-hmm. this is nowhere near as awesome as that one was. Like you said, there that kind of reminds me of uh, Baby Doll. And the sequel to that being so so terrible. One thing I do, I will give this episode, Zeta dresses as a Mountie. Yeah, that was awesome! <laughs> oh, and a German guy with lederhosen. That was great, yeah. too. And he has this goofy smile on his face while he's dressed up as the Mountie that just makes it even yeah. better. Yeah, he really liked being that Mountie, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. But, and that was what was so funny is leading up to that, he's trying to he was asking Ro, does this look tough? Does this look tough? And Ro's like, No, no. You know what? I'm going away. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. And then and finally he dressed the next time we see him, there's like the scene shift where she's about to be kidnapped and then shift back and he's dressed up as a Mountie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was fun. That was fun. But unfortunately I couldn't help but think of the Mountie. <laughs> You know, I mean, <laughs> when I see Mounties, I either think of, uh, what's his name, Dudley Do-Right, and, and the Mountie, the, the frickin' wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. See, the, the thing with this episode is, it's, it's not a good episode, but it's not terrible either. I mean, I, I like the general idea that, you know, this brain trust or whatever they're called, they're, they're still operating... Uh, they're still, you know, picking up these kids and, and using their psychic powers for whatever dastardly things they're going to use them for. And they've been lowered to the point that they're hiding out in a barn. You know, I like that. But the execution just was terrible. I mean, it goes back to the, the problem we had with that Bucky episode in our last WFP episode. That what what was the point? I mean, where was... What was the plot? Mm-hmm. There, was, there wasn't a, a whole lot of resolution on that end i mean there's resolution in the fact that the villains were defeated the day was saved and all but we still don't really understand why they were bombing that tower to make a bunch of other people psychics i i just don't i don't understand it yeah yeah i mean um i i i really maybe they did say why they wanted all you know more people to be psychic and maybe we both missed it but I do not think it was said. It was just like, hey, more psychics. Yay! Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> more members for our club. Yeah. <laughs> the only other thing I, I have to note here is when Zeta was riding the bike, uh, getting away from the other bikers, the one dude pulls out this uh, bl- flame blade thing or whatever it was. I, I don't know if you noticed it, but like 
that the blade on that thing was like three inches long at most. <laughs> no. What the hell? What the hell is he going to slice with that thing? A fucking orange? <laughs> nice. I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> it's like, dude, seriously, you'd you'd have better luck against this against Zeta with a fucking crowbar. Oh, <laughs> uh, and okay. Here's the thing: the, the the brain trust they they know that Zeta's a robot. They've seen him in his robotic form. They have a member on the on the team who is telekinetic. Yet he never picks up Zeta. He's just constantly throwing stuff at Zeta. But, yeah, pitchforks and right. all kinds and, of other And he shit. can use his own power to levitate himself. So if he can levitate himself, and he clearly weighs a couple of hundred pounds, this guy, and that's being nice, then why can't he pick up a robot and, and throw him around? I mean, Zeta doesn't weigh that much because in a few episodes' time, we see Roe carting him around she has trouble doing it yeah i have a big big problem with that but we'll get to that <laughs> but, i mean granted he's heavy you know what i mean but he's not so heavy that he can't be list- lifted telekinetically if this guy can lift himself just pick him up sh- tell have amp amplifier powers and and rocket him across town there you go the day saved well the day saved for the bad guys that is um i did like the ending though i i do like it when they come across um the uh, authority figures who let them go. You know, we saw it with Rose foster family and we saw it again here Uh, early in the episode when Zeta in his young boy form shows up uh, at the police station, he sees the wanted posters for himself and Roe. So he knows that if these cops get involved, he's, he's going to potentially get in trouble and the NSA is going to be called. And when we get to the end, you know, the, the young cop, I'm not going to call him the rookie, but the young cop is like, we have to arrest them. They're, they're terrorists or whatever. And the more seasoned cop, he's like, you mean these heroes? They don't look anything like the wanted poster. She's got a different shirt on. <laughs> I'm like, that was good. That was awesome. <laughs> it gets a bonus point just for that line there and just for showing another authority figure who isn't a douchebag. Because whenever the NSA shows up, they're either bumbling or just downright douches. And I'm kind of tired of that. Welcome to the club. I've been tired of it since, I don't know, episode seven. (laughs) How's it look? Worse than I thought. His file allocation table seriously scrambled. Just once, pretend I'm an idiot. Pretend? It's like you had a book with the table of contents mixed up. The chapters are all there, but you can't find them anymore. It must have been breaking down for months. I don't know how this could have happened. Months, huh? Well, gee, I have a theory. Maybe it's because somebody didn't help us when Bennett was erasing Z's brain. Okay, I got it. It's my fault. So fix it. I'm trying, but I don't think you understand yet. I'm not sure I can fix him. Zeta might be stuck this way. Forever. Next up today is Lost and Found. In this one, Roe and Zeta are being chased through the streets by Crick, the bounty hunter from Taffy Time. Um, Crick ends up blasting a water tower down and uh, nearly killing uh, a little boy who's just, you know, running around with a soccer ball. Uh, but Zeta saves the kid in the nick of time. Uh, but when they start driving off again, Zeta starts to malfunction just out of nowhere. This isn't anything Crick did. It's just something – Zeta just starts to malfunction, and he just shuts down, leaving Roe to steer the hover bike uh, with 
you know, Zeta drooped over the steering column, so it's not not a very fun ride now. Um, well, they she narrowly gets them away by heaving Zeta onto a train from an overpass. Yes, she picks him up and pushes him onto a train. Um, unfortunately, she has to she has to call you guessed it Bucky to try and fix Zeta. Um, so inside Zeta's CPU, he seems to be having a dream of, uh, uh, one of his missions way back in the day, um, of one of his targets back w- w- before he became the caring, loving Zeta. Um, and this is a mission the guy, we should say they've actually referred to before. We've, we've heard of this one. Right. Um, but the guy's name was Eugene Dolan and the NSA sent Zeta to track him so they could get evidence of a money launderer to a terrorist organization uh, called Brothers Day. Uh, Zeta impersonated the guy uh, while he went on a, a business trip or something, and uh, he even went to his home and masqueraded as him in front of his family. So basically, he's you know he's just watching how this family goes about their daily lives. They laugh at, at dinner. They uh, he sees the. His uh, guy's little girl. She's only like five years old. She starts riding a bike by herself the first time, and you know this is all completely new th- experiences to Zeta. Um, but back in real life, Ro is uh, really scared for Zeta, and Bucky explains that Zeta's memory allocation unit is uh, Fubar, basically, and all of his memory banks are malfunctioning to the point where he may never be able to bring Zeta out of this uh, robot coma that he's in. Um, and he explains that when Zeta was transferring his memories to keep them from being erased by Agent Bennett all those episodes back, uh, he actually caused his CPU to malfunction, and it's been slowly deteriorating probably for months. Uh, and at this point, Crick ends up tracking Roe and Bucky down to this, cl- this closed amusement park where they're hiding out. And uh, we f- get another flash into Zeta's memory banks here, and he's remembering the last of this mission for of this final mission he did for the NSA. Uh, he tried to get some information out of the Brothers Day guys as this Eugene Dolan guy, but they refused. And Zeta learned that Dolan was completely innocent and knew absolutely nothing about this the the secret criminal activities of this Brothers Day gang. Um, he aborted the mission, but in the process, the real Dolan uh, sees him in the office, and Zeta grabs him and throws him into an elevator, ready to just eliminate him for the compromised secrecy. Um, at this point, Dolan starts pleading for his life and says that he has a family, and Zeta relents because he remembers the time he spent with them and how they were, you know, just really nice people, and, you know, it, it, something something clicks with him, and he, he just he can't bring himself to kill this guy. And it was at that moment that Zeta decided never to kill again. Um, so, thanks to this memory, he comes to uh, as Crick enters the place and starts blasting shit up. And uh, they ha- they go all over the amusement park fighting, and Zeta defeats him. And Crick ends up getting arrested again. And uh, Zeta explains that that the that memory caused all of his others to fall back into place inside his uh, central pos- processing unit. That's pretty much it i don't know i mean this is just another one where it's like what were they going for here um zeta he's spoken about this mission before this this guy being innocent the the kid riding the bike none of this is new we're just seeing it now 
instead of hearing about it. You know, we know Roe had a troubled uh, uh, past. We we know she was in an all-girls school, or not school, but... I, 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 I completely forgot to mention yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, there's a flashback sequence that, that you know, it, it's Roe actually telling Bucky about the time she f- uh, spent in the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The orphanage kind of girls, right? Yeah, yeah, the orphanage thing. I don't, yeah, yeah, you know. And we get to see some of that. And we actually get to see how she met up with the gang that, you know, had her do the tasks in quotes because uh, it feels dirty even thinking about it. Um, uh-huh. That we saw her doing in the first episode of the Zeta Project. So you know, on some level, it was nice seeing those two stories because we know like the next day they would dovetail and that's when uh Zoe and Rada would meet up. <laughs> <laughs> um so I mean that was sort of neat, but it's like really did we need this episode? No, because we knew all this already. It really comes off as an all filler episode. I just I felt like it was average, you know. I didn't I didn't dislike this episode. Um I I actually liked the voice actor for Crick because it's really his voice is kind of cyborgy uh because of him being f- just totally fucked up in in uh, the Taffy Time episode mm-hmm. and I I liked that they they called back to that where he basically had to be rebuilt as a half man half cyborg yeah. so I, and I and I, I dug the voice acting it was it was really very cool I'm looking it up right um, now wasn't that the guy who does Harvey Bullock not Harvey Bullock, I mean uh, uh, Two-Face, Harvey Dent. And I'm Um, looking it up, and yeah, Richard Mull, which was Bull from Night Court, who also did uh, Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. Yes, awesome. Yeah, I knew it sounded familiar, but I just couldn't, I wasn't really thinking about previous previous roles or anything, so cool. Yeah, yeah, he, he did, I don't like the Crick character, but I did like his voice here, yeah. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Um, um, now, now, you said you had a rant or something to say about uh, her lifting Zeta. Yeah, what the fuck? The dude, Z- Zeta is this robot who can withstand all manner of compl- extreme conditions. I can't believe that he would be that lightweight enough. To be fair, they show Ro struggling to, you know, help him, uh, lift him and carry him and over her shoulder and everything, but still, I mean, she's a 15 year old girl uh, trying to lift this, this killer robot. I just, I don't buy it at all. No, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, because, you know, you could try to make the argument that maybe he's made out of some ultra lightweight titanium alloy or something, but then she wouldn't have been struggling picking him up, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, you know, I mean, but then you could also try to make the argument that the adrenaline pushed her forward. But yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of uh, I overlooked it, but I did sort of raise my eyebrow at it at the same time. I gotta tell you, I don't have much more notes or many more notes, but I have to say that Dolan's wife has to have the most annoying laugh this side of Fran Drescher. Did she? My God! My <laughs> God! It was so grating, just constantly laughing and laughing. It's like, stop! <laughs> Maybe I blocked it out, I don't know, because I, I don't remember her laugh. <laughs> it, I don't even know if it was the laugh that it was annoying. It was just that it was constantly happening Uh-oh. over and over again. <laughs> it's just like, 
I wanted to stab my eardrums. <laughs> Just stop. See, this episode was one of those episodes that was trying to have heart. As I think about it, I, I think I'm tr- I think I'm starting to figure out what it was trying to do, in that it wanted to remind the viewers why Zeta and why Ro were the way they were. Um, so they use these flashbacks to give us a little bit about their past. But one, they're doing it too late in the game. And two, they just didn't add the heart that they wanted. I mean, the, you know, Zeta watching the little girl ride the bike, okay, that was heartfelt. I'll, I'll give it that. But the rest of the flashbacks were still supposed to have some heart. It was supposed to show Zeta uh, basically growing a conscience. Um, and all of that just fell flat for me. It just, it just didn't work on any level. Um, and when that's what you're going for in an episode, you better damn well get it right. And and I, I, I just feel that they, they, they got it wrong all over the place. Again, except for the scene when he's helping the girl on the bike. Um, yeah. You know uh, what? One, what, one what more thing, though. Hang on, one more thing. I, I do want to say I liked how Zeta helped the guy cover for himself by telling him, your family doesn't know you were out of town. And your daughter rode a bike. Good day. You know? <laughs> you know, he, he just sort of briefs him real quick. This is what you better tell them. <laughs> so I'm sorry, what were you going to say about Bucky there? Oh, I was just going to ask you, you said that uh, Bucky wasn't quite as annoying in this episode. And I agree. So yeah. expand on yeah, that. Yeah, Bucky was very much toned down here. Um, I think it's the same voice actor, but it's a slightly different voice. I think it was the same guy. They changed his hair. It's still sort of a similar style, but they changed that. So they, they've, they've retooled the character in design and in voice. So that's a start. And then when it comes to his personality, he's still grating. Um, but he's not as grating as he was before. And you can kind of start to see that he does care about Ro and Zeta. I mean, if he didn't, he wouldn't have stuck his neck out and gone to help them. Because he didn't have to go out there and help them. But he did put himself in the line of fire and, uh, you know, sat down next to Zeta as Crick was out there looking for them. You know, and I, I, I liked him here because he he provided the, 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 the voice of reason. Where he's like, look, Ro, Zeta's just a robot. And he wasn't being cold or callous about it. It was just very matter of fact, you know. Zeta's a robot. Let's just leave him and go. You know, and he says, one day we all knew, or at least I knew, he was going to get caught. So let's just let him get caught and go. We have to save ourselves. And it doesn't come off douchebaggy. Again, it just comes off as, look, this is the smart thing to do. Let's do it. And had they done it with the old Bucky, it would have come off very D-baggy. Carl, I've been thinking about what you said, that you need to find where to disrupt a tornado. If you were to disperse your shockwaves near the weakest point of the cone, it might create a chain reaction. Causing the entire tornado to dissolve. That could work. Inputting the data now. That's your first spin. Anytime, anywhere, bro. Next up is Eye of the Storm. In this one, Zeta and Ro, they have entered Gale Plains. I think it was uh, Kansas. Because, of course, it's Kansas and you have to have tornadoes in Kansas. And uh, uh, while they're there, uh, a tornado strikes, as I pretty much just alluded to. And uh, as, of course, the title alludes to, too. And, uh, yeah, so so this tornado breaks out, and uh, 
they, uh, they, they go to take shelter. And uh, as they're doing this, they see this, uh, like one of those storm chaser vehicles, but, you know, much more advanced. It, it's, you know, it, it clamps itself to the ground. And out comes this pod, and it's a manned pod. It's not just like some uh, data-gathering robot. And uh, inside the pod is one of two brothers. Uh, the brothers are called Dex and Carl. I'm having trouble remembering which one's which. Um, I'm, I think Carl was the smart one, okay. and Dex was was the you know jock kind of guy. Okay, that, that's what we'll go with. If we've got it backwards, do pardon us. But uh, Dex, he's in this pod. And what they do with this pod is they're actually shooting some sort of like resonance beams or lasers or something at the tornado trying to disperse it. It doesn't quite work the first time, if I remember correctly, right? I think it partially works, but then it kind of, they, it just stops, it stops working or something malfunctions and they weren't able to finish the job. Okay. But uh, yeah, when the pod lands, uh, Zeta and Ro, they start talking to them. And the, the older brother, the one who pilots the pod, he's all like, hey, baby, what's going on to Ro? And uh, totally trying to get into her pants. And uh, Zeta tries to get into the pants of the younger brother because he starts hitting on him by talking about science. And, uh, oh, oh, wait, that didn't happen. Sorry, I, I just made that up. Oh, oh my Anyways, God. <laughs> um, but no, Zeta and the younger, smarter brother, they actually do hit it off. And it, it's mostly because the younger brother feels unappreciated. You know, he's in the, the vehicle, manning the equipment, doing all the geeky stuff that no one cares about. And finally, there's someone here that he can talk to about this stuff. So um, as, as they're all, you know, getting to know each other, uh, they get word that another tornado is, uh, is, is, is coming down. And uh, they, they go out to stop it. And uh, this one is headed for, it was a diner. And uh, this time they actually are able to stop it. They figure out where the weak spot in the tornado is. And they blast it. And they stop it. Uh, a news crew happens to be right there. And uh, Dex, he, they see him get out of the pod. And he gets all the credit. And he just soaks up the limelight. Never letting them know about his younger brother. His super genius younger brother. Who invented all this stuff. Um, so this causes a rift between Dex and Carl, uh, with Carl becoming super jealous. Um, later on, uh, they, they get word that an F5 is coming, you know, the, the meanest, nastiest tornado there is. And uh, Carl's all like... Brock Lesnar is descending <laughs> upon Kansas. I'm sorry I had Hey, to that would have made this episode a thousand times better, I gotta tell you. Anything with Brock yeah. Lesnar is, 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 is awesome, instantly. Okay. Oh, I love Brock Lesnar. Uh, except that stupid tattoo he has on his chest. I don't like that tattoo. But anyways, that, that that's a whole other thing to talk about. <laughs> what do you call it? So, uh, yeah, Carl, he gets in the pod, and he tries to take down this, this nasty tornado. Uh, so Dex, uh, Zeta, and Ro, they jump in the uh, the car, and they go after him. And uh, the, the problem is, is Carl, you know, he's smaller. He just doesn't have the strength, the upper body strength, to properly man the controls. Again, especially in an F5. And they can't uh, take control of the pod from the vehicle uh, by remote control because uh, Carl has locked them out. Zeta reveals that he's a robot and uh, he says, look, I might, might be able to withstand such winds. And if I am able to, I can get myself into the pod and I'll have the strength to take control of it, and maybe we'll be able to stop this tornado, because the thing is, this tornado is actually headed for a big city. It's just going to lay this city to waste. 
So that's what Zeta does. He jumps out of the vehicle, clamps himself down, gets into the pod, and uh, he helps Carl uh, uh, stop this tornado, and they all save the day. And uh, the, 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 that news crew is back. They, that, I, I guess they're just chasing tornadoes or something. And uh, this time, uh, Carl and Dex, they both get to share the spotlight. End episode. Oh. This episode is the definition of average. Yeah, it, it, it is, isn't it? There's nothing noteworthy at all about this episode. I have one note. Horrible lip syncing all over the Was place. Was there? It, yeah. Okay. There were, points, there were points inside that vehicle they were driving around in where sentences were coming out, uh, were being heard, but nobody's lips were moving. Oh my god, I didn't notice that. Oh, <laughs> and that's it. That is the only note I have about this. The rest of it, the rest of it. This episode just happened. It just, it just happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's seriously not a bad episode. This is one of those episodes where if it was on, I wouldn't change the channel, but I also wouldn't be paying much attention to it. Background noise. Yeah, pretty much so. You can, I mean, you could, I don't know, you could, you could fold your clothes. You could make a sandwich, or a lot of sandwiches, considering the episode's like 20 some odd minutes long, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, walk in and out of the room, and you wouldn't really feel like you missed anything. You'd get the general gist of the story. The only the only couple of little notes that I jotted down was there was one point where I thought I heard the, the Wicked Witch's theme, just a couple of bars, and again, this town was called Gale Plains, or something like that, and Dorothy's last name is Gale. Most people, I don't know how many people know that, but her name is Dorothy Gale. And I have to wonder if that was a little uh, homage to that character. It had to be. It absolutely had to be. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, this is really your kind of cliched smart brother versus uh, charming brother kind of story. On the DCAU animated wiki, they they have a list of all the Zeta Project episodes in just like a chart. And they have next to it, the, you know, who the the antagonists are in each episode. And you go down the list, okay, you see Crick, you see the NSA, almost every one of them, Agent Bennett. On this one, you see Tornadoes <laughs> as, as the villain, or as the opponent. <laughs> and I got a kick out of that, I have to tell you. Well, it's not wrong. It is right. No, it's tornadoes not. Tornadoes are it's, the it, antagonists, it's... aren't they? <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, because Carl, he's not, or not Carl, Dex, pardon me. You know, he's not an antagonist. He's just... No. Mm, a, Yet another douchebag. Yeah, bag. he's just attracted by the spotlight. And really, who isn't? You know, if a news crew put a mic in your face and was giving you all the credit for something, you might get overwhelmed and take all the credit. And his brother, once he uh, gets jealous, and everybody's gotten jealous, so you can sort of sympathize with that. You know, once he gets jealous, he goes and does something stupid. And again, we can all... We've all, we can all say we've done that, too, and it doesn't necessarily make you a bad guy or a good guy. It's not like he went and took the, what was that vehicle called? The the Titty Twister? What was it? <laughs> I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, um, the Twister Blaster. Yeah, but what, what was it really called, though? The, the Cyclonator. The Cyclonator, yeah. The Cyclonator or the Titty Twister. It, it's not like when he took it, he started chasing his brother with it or started, like, shooting the vehicle with it or tried to destroy Zeta. He still was trying to stop the tornadoes. He was doing their mission. He just wanted to prove he could do it as well as his bigger, stronger jock brother. So you kind of do have to list the tornadoes as the antagonist because 
there's no person that's an antagonist in this episode. Uh, something I found very interesting in this one is Roe is completely, I don't want to say disgusted, but turned off by uh, Dex. I mean, you know, he's coming up to her trying to be all like, hey, what's going on, baby? And she's all like, I'm not having any of your stuff. I'm, I'm getting out of here. But in the next episode, when she meets up with the surfer guy, she's all like, oh, and gets all swoony over him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait, you could have a guy who's actually doing a service to the world by trying to help stop these tornadoes, or you can go after the possibly stoner, <laughs> and I'm not knocking stoners, <laughs> but possibly stoner surfer guy. Hmm. Yeah, let's go after the stoner surfer. Somebody help! Is anyone out there? This is James Bennett. We're stuck in a sub at the bottom of the reef. We're taking on water! James! We hear you, James. This is Dr. O'Keefe. I'm here with your dad. We're going to get you out of there. Is Brett the pilot with you? Yeah, and a girl, too. But Brett got knocked out when we crashed. We tried moving, but we just slid around. We couldn't get off the bottom. Sounds like they have propulsion, but no rudder. What about the Coast Guard? How quickly can a rescue team get here? I'll call them, but if they're taking on water, we can't wait. We'll have to send a team down in the second sub. Try and repair it from the outside. I need two volunteers. That's all the sub can take. Huh? Huh? I'll go. If repairs are needed, or if anyone's trapped, I'm their best hope. You've got to be kidding. That's my family down there. Mine, too. And lastly up today is quality time. In this one, Agent Bennett is in his home, and he's reviewing NSA files on Zeta uh, and Dr. Selig. I guess he's basically trying to just see if there's something he might have missed that could help him, you know, lead him to Zeta or something. But uh, anyway, his son enters the room uh, saying that he promised to take him sailing this weekend, and Bennett pretty much just blows him off. But uh, after finding another report on Dr. Selig, uh, visiting this marine research institute, he tells him that you can do something better. We can go to a marine research laboratory instead. That'll be so much more fun than sailing. Um, Roe and Zeta happen to already be at this research institute asking about a Dr. O'Keefe, who was the colleague of, uh, colleague of Zelig, who uh, Bennett was just researching. And as was noted just a few minutes ago, Roe is flirting with this... Uh, sub pilot guy outside possibly stoner so uh the guy invites her aboard the sub it's just a two-person submersible it can't hold anybody else but uh and so zeta stays on shore since the sub can only fit two people or robots Hmm. um however bennett arrives at the place with his son and basically forces the guy to take him aboard too and the guy says all right well since he's small it, it shouldn't compromise the weight limit of the sub and Roe is none too pleased about this, but neither is the pilot or Bennett's son. Uh, you know, Bennett's son doesn't want to go on there either. He's He wanted to go sailing. He didn't want to come to this boring-ass research institute. I mean, he's only like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old. So, uh, But anyway, while they're down there, the pilot goes actually into the reef itself, which is a big no-no because it's unstable, as noted by the sign that says, Reef Unstable. Um they end up crashing and taking on water. So back on the surface, Bennett talks to, uh, with a scientist who was there when uh, Selig and uh, O'Keefe were there. And 
Bennett spots Zeta in the parking lot. So he chases him into the Institute where he disguises himself, uh, that being Zeta, of course, uh, makes, and he makes his way into a room, uh, with Bennett and other scientists. And they get the distress call from Bennett's son who explains the situation. And Zeta reveals himself, uh, takes, you know, he removes the, the holographic disguise and re- reveals himself even to Bennett because, you know, it, their little runaround feud has got to stop. Uh, they've got to save these people. They're, it's their, both of their families. So Bennett reluctantly agrees to travel down into the reef uh, in another sub with Zeta to save the three kids. Um, Zeta tries to reason with Bennett the entire time as they go down there, but he's really not hearing much of it. Uh, they, when they reach the sub, Zeta offers the only possible solution to save everybody, but it means that Bennett will have no way of keeping his eye on him. So, obviously, Bennett is not too happy about this, but, you know, he has to save his son, so he re- uh, reluctantly agrees. Uh, Zeta ends up using himself as the propeller to get the damaged sub back up top, while Roe pilots the good sub with the knocked-out uh, surfer boy pilot guy. And they manage to surface, and Bennett, uh, again reluctantly, makes uh, the right choice to help his son out of the water uh, instead of going after Zeta. For now! <laughs> um, this was a really good episode. It was. I completely agree. Um, but, you know, and I, I like this episode... But Bennett has got to be the worst father ever. My God. Um, he uh, look, look, he sees Zeta save three people's lives, and he still considers going after him instead of saving his son for a moment. Okay, now wait a second, wait a second. To be fair, it's not like his son was in any real danger. That ship, it didn't look like it was sinking. It was just sitting there. I thought the point was that it was starting to drift off. I don't know. Even if it was starting to drift off, they were in a boat that was working. They could just circle around and get to the other side of the submersible. So it was one of those things where I understand what they were trying to do, that they were trying to show that Bennett is so committed to his job that he might sacrifice his son, but it just didn't work for me on any level because I just never felt like the kid was in danger. I know the submersible was taking on water. So it still might have been sinking, and maybe it was moving away, but still, what the kid can't float in water. They 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 were right there. I mean, the kid just 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 lay there, and you'll float, kid. You know, it's it's not like it was ice cold water. It's not like this was uh, up near you know like Alaska or something. It's not like there were sharks circling. The the, the yeah, the, the element of danger just wasn't there for me. But uh, that said, no, I, I, I think this was a really strong episode. I liked seeing Bennett away from the NSA, away from West, away from everybody else. It's just him doing his job, and you get to see his home life. You know, you get to see how this is affecting his family, or at least him and his son. Um, and I like the fact that they're giving characterization to Bennett again. Because remember, the first time we saw him... You know, I was I was all like, oh, this is great because you can understand where he's coming from. And now he's just turned into a cliched, I'll stop at nothing to get you, Zeta, stupid bad guy. Or not bad guy, but antagonist. And finally they're going back and saying, look, this character can actually have depth. Whoops, we forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love the interaction between Zeta and Venom. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, they're, they're trapped in this little two-man sub for you know, a good chunk of the episode, and they're 
their dialogue was really, really good. Yeah. I mean, it's it is the typical, you know, enemies have to team up to save the day. How will the good guy get away at the end of the day? story that we've seen over and over and over again, but they made it work for them. They really did. And this is why I get mad at the Zeta Project sometimes, because when you see an episode like this, where they can get really deep characterization, where they can just do something this good, why do they turn around and give us just kind of subpar crap a lot of the time? Not every episode is going to be this good, I understand that, but not every episode should be blah, and that's what we've been getting so much of. I agree. This was another episode where, and this might be the first Zeta episode where I can say that, you know what, I just like, I would kick back and watch this episode just for fun. Because I didn't take all that many notes, I was actually very intrigued by the storyline, and it was, you know, it was mainly because of the interactions between, between Zeta and Bennett, but... Um, and you know what? I thought they did a great job with uh, Bennett's son too. Yeah, he was a strong character too for for somebody who's clearly going to be a one off character. You know, they they did a, a really good job with him too. Yeah, you can understand his frustration. I love that moment when he realized his dad wasn't taking him to a coral reef, but a coral reef slash research facility. And the kid's like, "Dude, seriously? Oh, you know." And he just You're sort just of like ta- storms off. Work again. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, that, that was really strong, what they did there. Did you notice that they set up that this is 2041? Did they? They said that when Zeta went rogue, uh, which would be the episode where, you know, he let the guy live, that that was 2041. So say maybe it's been a year that they've been chasing him. So maybe 2042. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I'm never keen on cartoons or comic books um, setting down a date. Because then you're kind of screwed, you know, because then some fan is going to point at that and be like, well, if that was 2008 and they're reading this comic in 2018, they're like, wait, it's been it's been 10 years since since that date. Why is it? Why isn't Peter age 10 years if we're talking about a Spider-Man book? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, eventually that's going to happen with Zeta. We're going to get closer and closer to 2041 and it, it doesn't make it look like it's in the far off future. That's why I always liked the the way they were just like, oh, it's, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years in the future. Just deal with it, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, what, what else about this one? I mean, there, there's so much to say. This is a really good one. Yeah, I, but like I said, I don't have all that many notes because I was just sitting back watching it, really. Well, I mean, it was, that, that's a good was, thing, though. Yeah, it is. And I, I feel bad. I wish I had taken more notes, but uh, it's, it's, it is. It's a great episode. Well, so. well, I'm looking at our scores so far. And I think you had said that this was the first one that you could really kick back and watch, right? Yeah. The Accomplice, we gave sevens. That was the first episode. Uh, okay. That was the first yeah, episode of the series. Right. Um, Rose Reunion, we gave eights. Both of us did. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Rose Reunion. And then yeah. Resume Mission, we both gave sevens. Those are our highest scores each so far. Um and I got to tell you, this is going to get a pretty solid score from me, too. So I don't know if I would call this the first one where I could really sit down and watch it and enjoy it, because there's these other ones. But having one that we could sit down and just watch and enjoy is is a rare thing uh, when it comes to the Zeta Project. I feel bad that I forgot about Resume Mission, since that was just our last episode. <laughs> so, But yeah, yeah, definitely, Resume Mission is another one I can just kick back and watch. Well, I'll tell you why it's so hard to remember the good ones, because they're buried by so much just subparness. 
You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. look at this. I mean, okay, we, we've, you know, today, Hunt in the Hub, Rose Gift, Lost and Found, Eye of the Storm, and then finally we get quality time. Look at the last episode. Rose Reunion and Resume Mission were great, but then we got Kid Genius, Absolute Zero, Wired, eh. In the episode before that, we had a Westbound. We both, both gave that sixes. Not great scores, but better than average. But again, we're buried by Hicksville, Shadows, Crime Waves, and Taffy Time. Go back to our first Seda episode, Accomplice. Again, both sevens. But then his maker's name, Remote Control, Change of Heart, The Next Gen, all ones that were average at best, some of which were subpar. You know, there, there's just so much, again, subparness that it, it, you just forget about the good ones in there. You know, I mean, our average scores for Zeta at the end of the day are not going to be good. I can tell you that right now. No, no, you know, no, and no. it's you know, every time we do a, a, a recap show, I ask, you know, we gave this show a, a five point six. Do you agree with that? You know, and when we get to this, I have a feeling our average scores are going to be three point fives at best, at best. And I think again, we're both going to be like, yeah, that's pretty much what it deserves, <laughs> despite the fact that it can turn out some good stuff from time to time. Such is the case with quality time. Uh, another weird little note I want to bring up is the submersible. So you're telling me the weight limit is that of the stoner surfer pilot guy, a 15-year-old thin girl, and a 10-year-old boy. Total, we're maybe looking at 300 pounds. Maybe. Maybe. Considering Roe is probably like 90 pounds at best. You know, we're probably actually looking at 250. So it's like, now wait a minute here. <laughs> if you put two like grown men in this machine, what, it, it's, it's going to go into the water and sink like a rock? You know, I, I never bought into the weight limit thing. When it came to not to mention Zeta and Bennett go in there, right? Exactly. You know, (laughs) factor Zeta's got to be at least two fifty, at least, and and Bennett he's got to be one seventy five. He's a fit dude. You know, we're way over the weight limit at this point. But but what a young girl, a young guy, and a boy are are gonna sink this thing? Never bought it. Never bought it. Um, I did like the fact that later on though, when they were having trouble. Uh, getting the submersible to uh, uh, rise, they did say, oh, God, it's it's the water that we're taking on, the weight of the water. Um, I thought that was a neat little thing because it wasn't just, oh, the water's coming in and we're going to drown. They add another element to it. The water's coming in and we're going to drown because we can't take off because the water's so fucking heavy. You know, yep. it just, just a nice little thing they added there. You know, and uh, getting back to that end sequence. With the standoff, where uh, uh, Bennett has got Zeta at gunpoint. I really like the blank look on Zeta's face. It's almost like he's just daring Bennett to shoot him. You know, he doesn't blink. I don't even know if Zeta blinks. But he doesn't blink, doesn't doesn't move. He's just sitting there. Like, you're going to shoot me? You gonna you, Seriously, you're going to shoot me. Okay, go for it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, he's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. And that's... I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it. That's what I took away from it. Was like, go ahead, go ahead and shoot me. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just that cold robotic stare. <laughs> yeah, really. Everybody was characterized well. Um, the voice acting was good. The animation was solid. Um, yeah, I mean, it it was a really good episode. You know, what? I just I just thought of two things I wanted to bring up. Uh, first was a line of dialogue when they're deciding who's going to be in which submersible. And, and Bennett goes to Roe. He's like, Rosalie, you're, <laughs> you're, on your loan with, you're on your own with this loser. <laughs> and she's like, somehow that doesn't sound as good as it once did. 
<laughs> like that was a good little <laughs> line. Um, and uh, what do you call it? The I, I, actually before I get to the next thing, the, the reason I like that line is because I mean it really reminded me of Red Foreman. You know, I mean, of course, this is uh, what's his face. I just lost his name, uh, Kurtwood Smith. Who, who played yeah. Red Foreman. That was such a Red Foreman line. You're on your own with oh this, Oh, my loser. God, yes. <laughs> I expect him to be like, you're on, you're, you're on your own with this, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, that's like something he would say to Donna yeah. in that 70s show. <laughs> About his own son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I got to get that. I got to get those first couple of seasons of that 70s show on DVD. And then I got to get a TV, too. <clears throat> Anyways, um, the other thing the other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, did you have to catch that Bennett's son was, like, suicidal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you don't if you don't come up, I don't want to yeah. either. Like, <laughs> whatever he said. Then. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what he said, if not exactly what he said. And it's like, um, no, kid, really, get in the other ship, you know? <laughs> I mean... Do you not have a mother? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they justified him being in that machine because he was able to work the pump. It, it didn't really do much good, but he was still in tr- still trying to work the pump. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was such... It, okay, that's a line I could see, like, a lover delivering, um, a parent delivering, but a 10-year-old child delivering to the dad <laughs> that he is not really keen on right now anyways. It, it, was, it, just, it just felt <laughs> odd for that character, especially considering his age. Oh, uh, but anyways, you want to get to our scores? Yeah. Okay, Hunt in the Hub. I'll give that a a two. I, that's a reluctant two, though. I gotta tell you. I, I'm gonna give it a two as well, and I'm right there with you. Where I'm like, why am I giving it a two? Yeah, uh, but that that's that is what I wrote down, so that's what it's getting. Uh, Rose Gift. Uh, I'll give that a four. I'm gonna give that one a five. Um, it's for Zeta being a Mountie, isn't it? Pretty much so. I, th- I think that is why it's going to get a five from me. It gets that extra point there. Um, let's see. Lost and found. I will give that one a five. That one's getting a four from me. Eye of the Storm? Five. Definition of average, remember? Yep, yeah, five from me. And quality time? Quality time gets a seven. Although I'm, I, on a better day, I might have given it an eight. I don't know. Uh, let me let our listeners in on something. James and I, we're not going to do, oh, maybe we've said this before, I don't know, but we're not going to do a Zeta recap show. We're just not. We might do a Static Shock slash Zeta recap show, but Zeta isn't going to get, do. right, but he's not going to get his own, he, the program, is not going to get its own recap show. Damn it, Mike, I'm not going to get a recap of this <laughs> I meant he as in Zeta. I was referring oh. to oh, the show okay. As, okay. as he. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you can have a recap show if you want. I don't care. But uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Um, so far, this might be the only one that I would consider rescoring. Yeah. You know, so if we do that recap show, I can only see us doing one, at least for me, one rescore on a Zeta. And as, as James just said, it's getting a seven now, but on a different day, it might get an eight. I can tell you it wouldn't go down to a six. Oh, no, not at all. But, yeah, I could definitely see this going up one point. But then I have to ask myself, is it even worth bringing it up that one point? I, I, I don't know. We'll see when and if we do the Static Zeta recap show. I can't help any-
anyone in handcuffs. I'll release you if and when it's absolutely necessary. It'd be a little too convenient for you if I never made it back to the surface. I'd never hurt you. Mm-hmm. Quite a coincidence that Miss Rowan is trapped in the same sub with James. For all I know, you set this accident up just to get me down here. How? Did anyone force your son into the sub? That's not the issue. At some point, you're going to have to trust me, assuming your son is more important to you than catching me. What do you think I am, a monster? Of course my son is important to me, but that doesn't mean I forget my job. The whole reason I work so hard is so he has a world that's safe to grow up in. Count on this one thing, Zeta. When all this is over, whatever happens down here, I'm bringing you in. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss the last five episodes of the Zeta Project. Those being On the Wire, Cabin Pressure, The River Rising, The Hologram Man, and The Wrong Morph. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 